0: truth that God wrestles with us and wins I don't know what you're wrestling with God about today but God wrestles with us because he loves us and he loves us too much to let us win and so really today is about surrender today is about wrestling with God and letting him win let's pray together Father, we thank you that you have led us to the cross today, that you've led us to that only place that shame can be undone. And Father, you filled this room and you filled our hearts with your presence this morning. And so now, God, as we open the Bible, God, would you open up our ears to hear that we could hear from you today. And God, as you speak to each one of us, Father, we pray that you would do an eternal work in our lives. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good afternoon. Uh, What a powerful morning of worship so far. I'm glad that you've joined us. Um, If you're visiting with us and I haven't had a chance to meet you, we're honored to have you. Um, My name is Jason. Um, I have the honor of serving as pastor here Uh, more important than that, I'm a member of this church because I think it's an awesome church, and so hopefully if you're looking for a church home, you'll consider making this your church home. Um, We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you want to go ahead and turn there, feel free to do that. If you want to follow along in a Bible but didn't bring one, that's okay. We put them um, under the seats around you, Um, and if you don't own a Bible, that's our free gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word, and so Um, There should be one around you. If not, we gave that Bible away last service, so just keep looking and you'll find one. Um, We've got a lot going on. It's the Christmas season, and so let me just just lay out a few updates and announcements for you. Um, uh, As we witnessed in the last service, um, we're quickly running out of space. I know we've got a few more seats left in this service to invite people to. Uh, Last service, we were out. Um, and so I just want to give you a quick update. We are, we're just like one step away from having our permit from the city of Fort Worth. I got an email on Friday. Uh, well, yeah, I know. Let's, let's cheer, right? Because here's the thing. Until we get the green light from the city of Fort Worth, we can't start remodel, and we've got to finish that remodel before we can start creating new space, and so all those things are kind of stacked in front of us, and, um, and so I want to give you that, that update because we could get our permit anytime, and so any Sunday when you walk in, you could be walking into a construction zone. I just want to tell you what that's all about. We are um, we're excited about the work God is doing in our church and through the lives of our people here. It's not just about counting heads and filling seats, it's about expanding this amazing work that God is doing. Um, you know, we've we already last year about this time we're, we're running out of space and looking, and then we noticed that this past November um, our attendance was up. over last November. And so we know what God is doing here um, is is a tangible work. And so we're working hard behind the scenes to prepare in advance for that. Um, So if you're visiting with us, glad you're here. I hope that you'll hang around and be a part of that um, as God continues to lead us down that journey. Um, A couple other things that are Christmas related. Um, Christmas uh, Eve is a Sunday this year. So it falls on a Sunday. So here's what the plan is. Um, We're going to do the 10 o'clock service The 11.45 service, so same time as normal. And then we're going to add a 4 o'clock service in the afternoon for those who want to celebrate Christmas Eve, maybe later in the day with your family. Um, So we're not going to do the 8.15 that day, but we're adding a 4 o'clock. And so... Um, hopefully one of those times will work for you and your family. Um, we will have kids uh, ministry in the, in the 10 and 1145, but the four o'clock will be a family worship service. So if you bring kiddos, the, the more the merrier we welcome them into the services. Of course, they're always welcome to come into our services, uh, but want to make sure you're aware of those details. Speaking of kids, uh, next Sunday night, six o'clock, um, is our kids Christmas service. And so, If you've got kids, uh, you may already be aware of that, and you're already thinking about making preparations, but if you don't have kids, you should come. Like You never know what's going to happen when you put a kid on stage, especially one of my kids, and give them a microphone. Like It is sure to be entertaining, at the very least. And so, um, come be a part of that. Next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, that's our kids' Christmas service. It's going to be from the littles all the way up. They're going to be presenting the Christmas story to us um, through music, and so I want to tell you about that. Also, uh, we've got a family from our church that's in the Philippines right now. Um, The Rathbuns are our family on mission. Um, As difficult as it is to live in a foreign country, I think probably during the holidays it gets even harder because you're away from family, away from friends. And so one thing that we do is every year we send them Christmas cards. And so um, even if you don't know them, I would just encourage you to stop by um, this round table on your way out. We've provided the Christmas cards. They're already there. You just pick one out. Put an encouraging note to them, a scripture, a prayer, hey, love you, whatever God leads you to put on there, put it in the envelope, then we'll take care of shipping it and mailing. it. All you got to do is just fill it out. So we want to send them just a big box of Christmas cards this year to remind them um, that they aren't forgotten, that they are loved as they continue serving uh, Christ out on the mission field in the Philippines. And last but not least, um, this is the Advent series, and so I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But if you haven't picked up one of these, um, I encourage you to do that. It's not too late. Um, this is basically kind of a, a, a daily or a weekly devotion guide for you and your family. There are daily scriptural readings you can do, um, but there's also a time for you to get with a good friend or get with your family um, and just spend some time thinking about the Advent season and what that means. and uh, And there's a discussion questions to kind of get conversation started. And there's actually a recommended song to sing, which is always fun. At least around our house when we get to that part of the uh, of the of the devotion where uh, we usually will like YouTube. Um, like our favorite version of that Christmas song, or we'll go acapella, and it's just fun to watch the boys get excited and worship Jesus, like do what we do on Sunday, but do it in the home. And so I encourage you to grab one of these um, on your way out. All right, so we're going to be in Luke chapter one today. This is the second Sunday in the Advent Christmas series. And so let's just stop for a minute. So what does Advent even mean? So the word Advent means the, the arrival of somebody important, okay? Somebody notorious, somebody important. That's an Advent. So when we talk about the Advent season, we're celebrating the arrival of Christ, right? The Son of God who was born in a manger um, in Bethlehem uh, over 2,000 years ago. Now, we're calling it the Advent season because the Advent season is, is, is literally, it's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas every year. And, and this season is meant to do some things for us. First of all, it's meant to remind us of why we celebrate Christmas, what the reason for Christmas actually is. It's also meant to stir our heart and stir our affections. And ultimately, the Advent season is meant to lead us into worship, that we wouldn't just allow Christmas to pass by as a holiday or a, or a fancy gift exchange or a time to decorate the house and then take it all down, but it would literally, for you, be a time of worship. And so in the Advent series, we started Last Sunday, in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, in chapter 8 and 9, where over 700 years before Jesus was born, these prophecies were, were painting a picture of who Jesus would be. And last week, we saw um, through Isaiah chapter 9, that this baby who would be born as a Messiah would come to us as a king, someone we would call Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, essentially to come to us to be a better king, that he would be a a light that would step into our darkness. And so this week what we're going to look at is how how the birth of Jesus impacts eternity for us, and how Jesus has literally stepped into darkness for each one of us. So we think about what darkness means. What does that mean? Are we just talking about having a bad day? Are we talking about being discouraged? Are we being hopeless? Yeah, we mean all of that plus some, right? We mean all that plus some. And what the scriptures would say about darkness is ultimately when the Bible talks about darkness in a spiritual sense, that, that the pinnacle of darkness is death. And so something about Christmas is to give us hope in the midst of that darkness, whatever your darkness is, whatever your struggle is, to give us hope in the midst of that. We're going to talk a little bit about eternity today. And and eternity is always an interesting thing to talk about and think about because it's hard to fathom, isn't it? Like, it's hard to fathom thinking about starting today and going forever. And, And just to make it even harder, think about starting today and go forever backwards. Like, what was before God? Nothing. God is eternally existed. This plan that's unfolding right now called the human experience has been God's eternal plan, and we have a hard time fathoming that, don't we? Wrapping our minds around that. I think probably for us the, the closest we can get to understanding eternity or forever is our encounter in this life with things that are not forever, right? When we encounter something that doesn't last forever, that we hoped would last forever, right? It doesn't necessarily define eternity for us, but we know eternity is not, Right, starting with relationships, like the first time so maybe somebody ever broke up with you, like this relationship that you just thought was going to last forever and it came to an end, or the first time one of your your BFFs, right, ceased to be your BFF. They found somebody. Better to be a best friend forever with. And you thought, this is going to be my friendship forever. I thought about a lot of those friendships for me growing up in different grades at different schools, who those BFFs were. And people, I don't even know where they are anymore. But at one point in time, I thought, man, we're going to be best friends forever. And of course, probably the most stark and, and vivid reminder of things that are not eternal, things that don't last forever, is when we encounter death. When, when death itself touches someone we love. I was thinking about even some of my experiences this week. I'll share with some of them with you in just a moment. But we're going to go to Luke chapter 1 together. And we're going to look at not just the story of, of, of this angel speaking to Mary, but what was it the angel said about Jesus that makes him different from any other baby? What is it about Jesus that gives us hope in the midst of like darkness and struggle? In Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 26. We read that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So God sends an angel Gabriel to go to Nazareth to talk to Mary, and we're about to pick up on that story. Let's not just gloss over that. That's a big deal. I mean, did anybody visit with an angel last night? I mean, this is an epic moment in the human story, okay? And so here's what happens. Uh, And he came to her, Mary, and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, like most of us probably would have been, at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I thought long and hard about that, trying to put myself in Mary's shoes. This angel speaks to her and says, Mary, hey, don't be scared. You're not in trouble. And she begins to discern what in the world is this all about? I mean, my first thought is, what did I do wrong? Right? God's going to send an angel to talk to me. What did I do wrong? I mean, I'm just this teenage girl, minding my own business, trying to live life uh, to glorify God and obey God. And I'm I'm engaged to this guy named Joe. Uh, Joe. What did Joe do? Did he do something? Is this about him? right? And so she's trying to discern why in the world a God would send an angel to talk to her. In verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. It's the angel's way of saying, Mary, you're not in trouble. This isn't about what you've done wrong. Matter of fact, you've found favor with God. This is a good thing that I'm about to say to you. Now, the next verse tells us that Mary still isn't grasping. She's still reeling to try to figure this thing out. She responds to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? What Mary's saying is like, what you're saying to me is impossible. How can I begin to fathom what you're saying to me? So I love what the the angel does next is he reminds Mary that this isn't just a a one event miracle, that, that, that the miracle has already began six months before this moment in the womb of Elizabeth. Look at what the angel says to her. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow or overcome you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called a holy son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son, and This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So the angel's saying, hey, listen, you think it's impossible for a virgin to get pregnant? Listen, you you know Elizabeth? She's barren. She's already six months pregnant. This miracle already started, Mary. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, to fully grasp the impact of what what we're reading here and what it means that, that Jesus has stepped into our darkness, stepped into our world, we've got to go back and look at one phrase together. We're going to key in on verse 32 today. In verse 32, the angel says something remarkable to us. Let's read it again. He, this one named Jesus, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. We covered that last week. That's not new information. But look at what he says next. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. Now, what in the world does that mean? And what does that say about Jesus? And better yet, what does that say about me? And what, how does that impact my life here in the Christmas Advent season? Well, to, to get to the bottom of this, we've got to look deep into the Old Testament. See, David was the second king of Israel. He came as a better king after Saul, who was corrupt and was a selfish leader. And God sent a better king in David. If you remember David's story, David was actually a shepherd. He was, he was the youngest of, of a bunch of brothers, and he was the least likely to be considered a king. And God came to him and called him from shepherding sheep to the throne of Israel. And in 2 Samuel 7, God speaks through Nathan to David and, and, and makes some remarkable promises to David that help us understand what's happening here in this scene with the angel and Mary. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, we'll start in verse 8. We read this Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David. So, God speaking, giving instruction to David, go say this to David. Thus says, The Lord of hosts. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people, Israel. So, before God ever gets to any new stuff with David or future stuff with David, first of all, God reminds David of what he's already done for him, which is good for the rest of us, right? Before we go to God and say, hey, God, I need you to do this new stuff, I need you to do more stuff, I need you to fix more stuff in my life, to stop and say, wait, let me just acknowledge what you've already done right? You've taken me from shepherd out in the field watching sheep to throne of the, of the nation of Israel. That's a big deal, right? So it's not just about what I need you to do. It's, what you about, it's also about what you've already done to bring me thus far. So God begins there with David. David, don't forget, I've brought you from shepherding to the throne. He says this, not only that, verse 9, I have been with you wherever you went. Does that freak some of you out? that God goes with you wherever you go? Not just a church. We expect him to go to church with us, right? But he goes with you everywhere you go. And look at what God says. Not only that, not only did I go with you everywhere, I cut off all your enemies from before you. What God is saying is, David, all those amazing victories that you have as notches on your belt, I did that. It reminds us of last week when we were talking about Gideon And how Gideon was about to step into the Valley of Midian to take on uh, this this battle. And God stopped Gideon and said, whoa, 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 before you go, tap the brakes, Gideon. You've got too many soldiers in your army. What? Right? He had over 30,000 men ready to wage war in the Valley of Midian. And God said, no, no, tap the brakes. Send some of them home. Matter of fact, I only want you to take 300 men with you. Why? And God said, here's why. Because see, here's the thing, I've already worked this out, we're going to win this battle, but when we do, I need you to know that it's me who's winning the battle, it's me who's breaking the bow, bending the spear, burning the chariot, it's me, and so this is what God is saying to David, David, let's reflect for a minute, of all the victories in your life thus far, those are my victories, I won those battles for you, and then, It goes on, and I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. Verse 12, God begins to speak more of the future. He says, David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Now that's that's not really all that big of a deal. That's kind of how you would expect things to go, right? he's a king. Once he lies down with his fathers and passes away, he passes on the throne to one of his descendants. Maybe this is about Solomon. And then Solomon would sit on the throne of the people of Israel. If we keep reading, there's something different about what God is saying here. Look at verse 13. So not only will one of your descendants who comes from your body sit on the throne, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. And the most important word is what? Forever. Forever. He's not talking about Solomon here, is he? He's not talking about David's grandson or great-grandson. God is talking about someone, a descendant of David, who would sit on the throne of Israel, but this time, not for a generation, not for a decade, not for a season, for forever. See, that's what the angel is declaring there to Mary before she's even pregnant. You're going to give birth to a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He will be the son of the Most High God, and and, and God will give him the throne of his father, David. What the angel is saying to Mary is, God is going to fulfill everything he promised to King David through your womb. And everything that God promised to King David, it's really not about King David anymore, is it? It's about the rest of us. It's about what Jesus came to do for all of us. So what does it mean that Jesus came to sit on the throne for forever. We think about our encounters with not forever. Um, I was thinking different funerals I've done, different funerals I've attended, different encounters. There's been many moments where I've sat in a hospital room or in a, in a bedroom where there was hospice or life support and, 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 and was there in those, those, those final precious moments where somebody takes their last breath. Um, probably in my mind at least, the most vivid of these encounters is my own father um, just you know, a year and a half ago. Um, passed away, and, and I'll never forget that day, because, you know, there's people in your life you think are going to live forever, you know? Um, my dad was one of those kind of guys, just tough, cowboy type, didn't go to the doctor. It was, it was nothing for me to call him up or him to call me and, you know, hey, what's going on? Oh, I'm just on my way back from the hospital. Like, what? Yeah, doctor said the cancer came back, and think he got it, and we're good to go, so yeah, what are you doing for Christmas? Like, like he's just that kind of guy, right? Just, bulletproof and tough, and so when you watch somebody that you love and know, and maybe even that you think will live forever, begin to become mortal, I mean, that's a big deal, and I'll remember that day, you know, for the rest of my life, where, you know, I got the call, I was here at the church getting ready for staff meeting to come to the hospital, and I was on my way there, and I, and I got a second call from the doctor, and he's like, hey, are you going to get close, because we got to make a decision here, my, my father in his last week or so had made me um, power of attorney, so I had to be there, and he was talking to me on the phone. I'm like, hey, doc, like tap the brakes for a minute. I just, I mean, this wasn't even on my radar 10 minutes ago. Like, can you wait till I get there? I'll never forget saying, can you wait till I get there? And He's like, yeah, we can, we can do that. And so, and really what was going on in my heart, I was, I was thinking like tap the brakes here. Like I'm, I'm, I'm encountering not forever right now and I don't like it, right? Somebody that I thought was bulletproof and gonna live forever. Now all of a sudden I'm beginning to have to face this reality that death can touch someone that I love. And that moment of not forever made me begin to think about what? Forever. Eternity. What comes next? Not just for him, but for me and for the rest of the people in my life. I was thinking about a funeral I did for a young girl. It's the youngest person I've ever done a funeral for. um, Four year old little girl. Name is Rain. Um, Tragic situation. Stumbled out a back door into a swimming pool kind of deal. It It just caught everybody off guard. And her dad was in my youth group when he was younger, and he called me to tell me this tragic news. And, you know, I'm trying to process what he's going through, and he asked me to do the funeral. I'm like, I said yes before I even really thought about, what does that mean? What would what, what I say? What would I do? I mean, that whole week of just getting prepared, like it was just such a daunting task. The funeral itself, like just nothing about it felt right. Nothing about any of that felt right. My drive home afterwards, nothing about that felt right. You know, think about what we say in moments like that. We, we always say, like, a parent should never have to bury their child. You've heard that before, right? But you know what's true? A child should never have to bury their parent either. Death is not right. Death is the opposite of forever. Death is the attempt from Satan to undo God's plan. And so when Jesus steps into our darkness, what he's bringing to us is forever. He's reminding us that you know what? You're right, something's not right about this world. Something's broken here and I've come to fix it. The idea that Jesus would sit on the throne of David forever, it impacts the way we think about eternity, it impacts the way as Christians we approach death. We no longer have to be fearful of death, do we? Why, because Jesus has overcome it. He's tore down that fear in our lives, right? but not only does it impact how we think about the next life, shouldn't it impact the way I live tomorrow, right? This isn't God just saying, hey, I've made a promise to you, coast through this life, right? Um, every season in Christmas, get excited about me, decorate the house, and then tear it all down, buy a bunch of gifts for people, right, that will just become uh, toys that are broken and just, right, and then, but you'll keep paying the credit card. like, yeah, Just do all that stuff, and then I'll meet you in heaven, Like God is telling us this good news because it should impact the way we live this temporary life, this momentary life. My my Monday morning should be fueled and inspired and shaped by eternity. I mean, how many of us lived this past week thinking about eternity? How many of you made decisions thinking about or thinking about or from an eternal perspective? See, we so easily get bogged down in right now, don't we? What gifts to buy? Where do I need to be? What, 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 is, what do I need to do to finish my work day? What do I need to do to wrap up my work week? What, right, did we get all the gifts to where? Where are we going to be the ho- at the holidays? We have the travel plans. We get so consumed with right now in this moment, we forget that as believers, this moment is to be fueled by forever. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus kind of summarizes this for us in a really powerful way. He says this, God's enemy, the thief, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So wherever you see stealing happening, wherever you see destruction happening, wherever you see death, you're seeing the tools and the plans of God's enemy. But Jesus doesn't stop there, does he? He says, here's why I've come. Here's why I came to earth. I have come to give you life, but not just physical life, not just ordinary coast through life. I've come to give you life abundant." forever life and we don't have to wait until we pass away to begin to experience that forever life starts right now church Christ's follower forever life starts now if God has defeated death on our behalf and he has tore down the fear of death what, what is there left to fear? really what is there? I don't need to be afraid of what you think of me. I don't need to be afraid of what you can do to me. Right? If, if the fear of death is gone, right, that should impact the way I walk through this world, the way I live my life. right? So this idea that Christ has come to give us abundant life means I've been set free to live differently when I used to be shackled to fear, shackled to sin and death. That's been undone for me. I'm now free. What does that mean? I've been free to pursue holiness in my life, without being fearful of what happens when I mess up? We talked about this two weeks ago, right? So there's this calling from God to you to pursue holiness, right? So what happens when we mess up? What do we do with that? So we talked about two different camps, how one camp will say, well, since I already know I'm gonna mess up, and I don't like the feeling of failure, I'm just not gonna try, right? That's one camp. But the other camp would say, no, you know what? God called me to holiness, so I'm gonna pursue a holy life, uh-oh, I messed up, so what I do with it? I hide it. I throw up the facade. I pretend like I didn't mess up because you're pretending like you didn't mess up, and I don't see you making mistakes, and so I'm not going to show you I made mistakes. That's not the gospel. The gospel said, no, pursue holiness, Christ follower, and when you mess up, guess what? Christ catches you, and he doesn't take you back to start over again at the beginning. He says, no, let me set your feet down on solid ground. Let's pick up this journey where we left off, and let's keep walking. You've been set free to pursue holiness, Christ follower. And and eternity isn't contingent on how perfect you walk this life out. You've been set free to live boldly and share the gospel with people. That's a powerful privilege that you and I have been given, to share the good news of Christ with people around us. And, And what they think about us or what they do to us doesn't matter. What do we have left to fear? You've been set free to live your life sacrificially, to lay yourself down for others. Why? Because you know This temporary life I've got, it's a drop in the bucket. I got something better coming, right? I'll live this life for God, all in, all out, whatever it takes, lay my life down for him. Why? Because I got something better coming. See, we've been set free because the Son of God has come to earth to step into our darkness and to sit on the throne of Israel forever. Forever. You know what Ephesians 2 tells us? that when we trust in Jesus, God forgives us of our sins, he lavishes us with grace, and guess what? He seats us with Christ. So just as sure as Christ is sitting on his throne forever, I know right now, in 2017, you're sitting on these comfy little chairs here at this church, but you've got a better seat, and it's secured, and it's eternal. See, that should change the way we sit in our chair, doesn't it? it should change the way we sing songs, the way we worship, the way we live our lives. I've got... Two questions I'm going to ask. First of all, have you come to that place in your life journey, listen to me, where you have trusted in Jesus as your eternal Savior, not your momentary Savior? Not your, hey, get me out of this problem, Savior. Hey, fix this, and I'll pay you back, Savior. Your eternal Savior. God, I'm all in. I trust you. Completely surrendered. Lead me. Have you come to that place? Um, If not, there is no greater hope that I would share with you today to to know this by trusting in Jesus and him alone. He he is offering you today, listen to this, forgiveness of your sins, complete. And, And not only that, adoption into his kingdom, a seat in heaven that's eternally secure for you. That's free to you today if you will trust in Christ. If that's you, I'm gonna pray for you in just a minute that you'll make that decision. And for the rest of us today who are Christians, we've already made that decision. Here's my question. What's fueling your life? What what heart attitudes, what mindsets are fueling your life? We can't do anything about this last week, but let's talk about tomorrow. Are you going to step into tomorrow with eternity driving you? Realizing that you've been secured for all eternity to live with Christ. Free from fear, free from guilt, free from shame, free from the... Pressure of having to perform to impress people. Are you ready to walk in the abundant life that comes from knowing Jesus and Him alone? I'm going to pray for us now. I'm going to invite our our worship team up and I'm going to ask our prayer partners to be available in the room. If God puts something on your heart and you want somebody to pray with you, I I just hope you'll be courageous enough to step out of your seat and grab one of our prayer partners. They'll be at the front and the back. I'd be honored to pray with you and talk to you about becoming a Christian or anything else going on in your life. Um, Our worship team, they're gonna lead us in a a, a song to sing, and listen, if you're still wrestling with some things, I wanna give you permission, just feel free to stay seated, stay in prayer, continue wrestling with whatever you're wrestling with, and if you wanna stand and sing, though, I'm gonna invite you to do that. Um, Let's pray together. Um, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for, um, God, the beautiful reminder this morning from Luke chapter one, that Jesus didn't come into this world to be our momentary savior, um, our quick fix, but Jesus stepped into our darkness to become our eternal king. And God, that matters. Father, there's not a person in this room who is immune from the sting of the darkness and the death that comes. Each one of our lives has been impacted, some of us at multiple times. Father, we're so thankful that Jesus has stepped into our darkness to give us hope. As we sang about earlier, God, we're so thankful that you love us enough to wrestle with us and you love us too much to let us win. So God, now we pray that your Holy Spirit would move through this room and, and better yet, move through our hearts. Do a work in us today, we pray. In Jesus' name.